It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, Anza, yes! Touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in, being part of the show. Love to have you text in or call in. Share your thoughts or opinions about what's going on. 435-339-0321. If you want to text into the program or 435-752-1069. And uh, we'll take your calls as well. And uh, news today, Mountain West Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson stepping down. What is his legacy as really the only commissioner this conference has ever known? And what type of qualities would you like to see in his successor? Which we really haven't talked too much about. But um, it's been it's been kind of a complicated legacy that he leaves behind. There's been some great achievements by the conference. BCS appearances. Uh, you know, great big upsets. Uh, basketball teams that have made some fun runs in the NCAA tournament. Uh, deals with CBS and Fox. But also, it, it's been a, a tenure filled with uncertainty with teams leaving, teams coming in, other teams leaving, teams coming back, opportunities to add other teams, but then it doesn't work, or opportunities to add other teams, and they, he does, they're not really per, heavily pursued. So it's been... a it's been a complicated legacy for Craig Thompson over the 24 years that he's been the commissioner of the Mountain West. Yeah, it's a complicated legacy, and he's in a tricky position. He's He was in a conference that is on the edge of relevance. And if maybe a couple of teams stay, there was no reason for them to stay. So you, like, you feel like there was a what if, like what if BYU, Utah, TCU stay, and you add a Boise State, and you hang on to that. Well, suddenly that's... Borderline major conference right there. According to the criteria that was set up by the BCS, like Mountain West was right on that edge there of being considered a major conference. Yeah. And really what was missing was the TV and, you know, that TV revenue. If they'd have had that or been like, if they'd been on the precipice of being able to sign one of those huge deals, maybe it would have survived. Maybe it would have become, you know, this Basically, P5 or P6, depending on how it would have worked out later when the BCS kind of collapsed. Um, of course, Utah State would never have made it into the Mountain West in that scenario. Right. We'd still be talking about the WAC probably because the WAC would have survived probably pretty much intact because then none of those schools move up save maybe uh, Fresno State or uh, Boise State, excuse me. So, you know, there's kind of a what if, but obviously you can't fault BYU and Utah and TCU for doing what they did. They chased the money like everybody does. Right. You, you get the invite to go to the bigger conference that has guaranteed access, who has much deeper pockets, who has the TV revenue. Absolutely. No questions. You take that invite. You yeah. go. So it's just unfortunate that 
you know, the Mountain West has just been, you know, the the school that everyone, they're the conference that everyone leaves to go somewhere else. Kind of like what the AAC became. They're the conference that everyone left to go to the bigger conference. You know, the, the G5's moving up. It's kind of like the coaching carousel, <laughs> the coaching ladder. Yeah, but the Mountain West had an opportunity to secure and solidify its position as the top non-Power 5 conference over these last few years with the AAC getting poached. They had opportunities to either continue to poach the AAC or target the schools that the AAC eventually targeted and brought into their fold. And the Mountain West, I feel, really missed an opportunity there of bringing in UTSA and North Texas to, not because they're necessarily football powerhouses, but they are in key media markets, key recruiting uh, areas, and you're in the state of Texas. You get into the central time zone, which the Mountain West currently is not. Yeah, I mean, you look at Mountain West adding Utah State. Was Utah State a powerhouse? Heck no. I mean, they're... they're Solid in basketball. But, you know, they took a risk in adding Utah State. And it's mostly paid off. Utah State's grown. And you can see that out of guys like North Texas and UTSA. Are they powerhouses in football or basketball? Not really. But they could grow. And you could have, you know, reaped the reward of adding those guys, have the programs develop while in the Mountain West, and then you get better as a conference. Or you could have maybe poached some teams from the AAC, just, you know, kick them all there down. Be kind of mean, but, you know. It's just opportunity. It's a ruthless business. Yeah. And they dropped the ball in that in that sense. Or like I said, never even maybe even picked up the ball because they didn't seem to try. And that could end up hurting them because, you know, they're not necessarily going to get overtaken by the AAC now because, again, they've been gutted. But they could have just – they could have really been that – one conference just outside of the Power Five. And that would have been a really great position for them to be in because then they can basically monopolize that, you know, there's that one guaranteed spot, supposedly in the 12-team format for a non-Power Five school. They could have monopolized that. Now, they won't. Yeah, true. They left that door open. And, you know, that's a lot of money that could end up being flowing to some other conference because you didn't strike while the iron was hot. Uh, so, what kind of what kind of qualities do you think that the, this conference needs in its next conference commissioner? Now, uh, somebody floated the idea of John Hartwell. Uh, I, I understand the sentiment of uh, of a former or current athletic director, but I think you have to look bigger than that. Uh, I, I think it needs to be somebody who has. Um, is in the media landscape. Has been a part of negotiating television contracts before. And I don't know who that is necessarily, but I think it needs to be somebody who maybe it's a a, a current Fox executive uh, or CBS, but somebody who understands the media landscape. That's where it is. It's where the dollars are. Now, new media, the Mountain West has played with that a little bit, but not with much success. But that's certainly something that needs to be that that person is familiar with. But um, th- this conference needs somebody who can be more aggressive in negotiating television contracts and finding you know 
certain revenue streams to to keep the Mountain West together, especially in you know some significant media markets. And still be aware of if there are opportunities to to expand into other demographics or other markets and other uh, time zones. I hear Larry Scott's uh, unemployed. <laughs> Bring him in. <laughs> nah. You may um, have a new office building that he's going to try to sell everybody on. Oh, gosh. They're going to build giant opulent, you know. Where's the current mountain? Well, mountain headquarters are in, like, Colorado, Colorado aren't Springs, they? yeah. Yeah, yeah he'd, he'd move him to California immediately. Or Vegas. Vegas wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, I mean, as far as, like, you know, bringing a TV executive or uh, – that's I think that's actually a really good idea because then you can maybe worm your way into – you know, getting a bigger contract. One thing I thought of is maybe bring in someone from Amazon because they might be looking into going to college football. Yeah. You know, they were just they just poached Thursday night they football. Thursday night football for the NFL. So they're going to be looking into college football. Now, they may have their eyes set a little higher than the Mountain West, but if you can sneak in on Amazon, that couldn't hurt. Um, now, hiring a guy solely based off that's a little iffy. But it's either that or you're looking at just poaching, like, one of the lower G5 conferences. I think Craig Thompson was a Sunbelt commissioner, wasn't he? He was. So, you know, obviously, well, he wasn't really a step up. It was a sidestep creating a new conference. Um, Maybe they could take a lower executive from, like, the SEC or the Big Ten, you know, guys who just negotiated giant contracts. Maybe bring one of them because they'd have negotiating experience. Mm. You know, they'd be on the conference side as opposed to the, the TV executive side. But those are maybe where you're looking, you know, a lower level lower level P5 guy, preferably Big Ten or SEC, or maybe a TV executive. Do you think it matters if they come from outside of the conference or they have some connection to its conference affiliates? Like they have to have a connection to the Mountain West? Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> do your job. That's all that matters. I mean, you do wonder, like, if they go to the Mountain West, then like maybe they try and go somewhere else. But like, maybe they'd get poached eventually. You know, if the you know Pac-12 commissioner retires or Big Ten commissioner retires, maybe they'd leave to go somewhere else. But like, you know, these these guys stick around a long time. Maybe there'd be some animosity from the um the school presidents that were bringing in an outside guy. But you'd think they'd want that. Bring in an outside guy who's going to make things better, who has experience getting these giant TV deals and can maybe help you in, you know, five or six years. 4086 offers a suggestion. Carl Benson, LOL. He was the WAC commissioner that grew it to 16 and it all fell apart. Then did, is he, uh, he eventually went to the Sun Belt. Is he still the Sun Belt commissioner now? I can Google him. Yeah, I don't know if he's still there. He, he became the commissioner for the uh, Sunbelt Conference for a while. I don't know if he is anymore. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know that it really matters. I, I think it always helps if there's some affiliation, at least with the region. If you brought somebody in who, who spent their entire time in, I don't know, Florida or Arkansas or South Carolina, and then you bring them out west, it might, I don't know, it as long as they have the skill set that you're looking for, that's always great, right? I mean, that's what you want. But I think it always helps if there are people who come into the position that are familiar with the landscape of what they're walking into so they can 
more accurately talk about what's going on and the history that's been done and the future that's still ahead of them. If you bring in a total outsider, I'm not saying that they can't learn about that, but I think it is a little bit more of an uphill challenge for them to understand the history and what they're what they're fighting for. Well, so that's where you have good subordinates. That's where you have the, the executives below him to help you out. You know, that's why you have assistant coaches and things like that. Because they worry about just hiring somebody from inside the Mountain West office because then it's just the same as it's always been. It's like when you replace a legendary coach with just an assistant that was under him for a long time. Because then they always fail. Happens like pretty much every time. At least it does in basketball. But, you know, you want to bring somebody in who's going to have a forward-looking vision, not just, you know, what they've all, you know, just don't do what the Mountain West has always done, which has apparently been fairly conservative. Replace what we lost, and they're not really looking to expand. They need someone who, maybe they don't need to have somebody come in that just thinks expand, 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 no matter what. Because then you end up picking some teams that just sit at the bottom of the conference standings every year. You don't want to just bring in some garbage team. But you want someone who's going to understand, we need to expand where we can, we need to get as much you know, TV money as possible, and get as much TV exposure, you know, before you, you know, sign those giant TV deals. Mm-hmm. So you got to have someone who's forward thinking. If that's an outsider, then it's an outsider. I don't care. You know, I don't really buy too much into the, oh, they've got to come in. They've got to understand what, you know, they're looking for. Because we talk about this when we hire new coaches here at Utah State. They've got to understand the Utah, you know, landscape. No, they don't. They really don't. I know I disagree with you here, like in a, in a pretty big way, but I don't want to be insulting. But I just I don't buy into that as much, because if you've got the skills and if you've got the vision, you can do the job. You can pick up on these things later, and you if you have good subordinates, they will help you pick up on those things, so you don't stumble on those things. Yeah, and I, I I agree with that. I understand that the point that certainly at the end of the day, you know, are you getting your job done? That's that's job number one. Are you advancing the conference? Are you bringing in additional revenues and opportunities for the conference and its conference members to showcase themselves? That's job number one, right? And if you can do that to the highest level and advance it and and strengthen your member institutions, really everything else is window dressing. But if you're somebody who's from the area or has ties to the area, it's just going to speed up that process and make it easier for you to at least understand who it is that you're fighting for, who it is that you're working for. Yeah. So I don't think it's a prerequisite, but I think it is something that certainly would help a candidate be there. Yeah. Well, I think the trick is, though, is if there's somebody who's like from around here that would understand, they're not going to have the big connections that you need to get this, pro- this conference moving forward. So if you get somebody who's from around the Mountain West and has always been here, sure, they'll understand, but how much are they going to help the conference grow? They'll be able to keep it together, and they'll have the passion to keep this conference together, and they'll have the values you want and, you know, again, holding everything together. But we've got to move the conference forward. The problem is they've been stagnant in a lot of ways. We don't want that. Should the conference headquarters be somewhere besides Colorado Springs? I don't Could that be one of the first orders of business? I well, mean, it's not really known to be a place where a lot of, you know, it's not a media hub. Yeah, the Olympics train there. <laughs> but, I mean, Colorado Springs? 
look, you have place, you have uh, institutions in San Diego and Las Vegas, which certainly much more appealing in media connections or destinations to set up meetings and to to host other uh, executives, sponsors. Colorado Springs just seems like an odd place to have the the conference headquarters. Does it really matter though? I mean, you mentioned like hosting executives, but like, is an executive really going to make or break a deal? Like, it's like, oh, you didn't invite me to your opulent, you know, Southern California headquarters. You invited me to Colorado Springs. No deal. Like, no. But if you have an option of a Zoom call for a meeting, or maybe going there for the meeting. Are you going to stay home wherever you are, or are you going to go to Las Vegas? Are you going to stay home wherever you are, or are you going to go to San Diego? I guess. But for deals that involve hundreds of millions of dollars, I think I'll go meet in person well, over a Zoom call. I, well, I think the Mountain West is going to wherever you are in that case. Yeah, so it's like there could be some value. I, I know I'm not early in the business market, so I don't. maybe I wouldn't understand the value of having you know, the headquarters of a – borderline major conference not be in the backwoods of Colorado. I shouldn't call them the backwoods. They're one of the bigger metropolitan yeah, areas. it's a decent-sized market. <laughs> but, but they're the backwoods of Colorado when you compare them to anywhere else, like on the West Coast. But, I don't know. When you look at the Pac-12, all the flack they've gotten over their headquarters, like I'm hesitant to like move it elsewhere. If they were going to move it, you move it to Vegas. It makes the most sense. It's where you host the conference tournament. It's where you host your media days. It's a destination location. It'd be a great place, easy place to set up meetings and host people from uh, for, for sponsorships and other executives. Yeah. So if the new commissioner comes in, I wouldn't be opposed at all if he just walked in and said, hey, we're going to move everything to Vegas. I'd be like, all right. That, that could be that forward-thinking vision as long as he doesn't spend a bajillion dollars <laughs> on the new headquarters. Yes, yes, that's very true. All, all right, got to take a time out here in the full court press. Oh, by the way, 4086 says Carl Benson is no longer the Sunbelt Commissioner. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, I looked that up. He retired in 2019. Okay. So a few years back. And then 9315 says Alex Birchie, Big Ten Network. Yeah. There's a there's probably 50 names you could throw out. I won't know who any of them are, but they could be good commissioners. The next the next Mountain West commissioner is going to come out of left field. I will not know who it is. I will not know their name. I will know nothing of their history, but I will become an expert by the time we talk about it on the show. <laughs> That's true. Very true. All right, a quick timeout. Love to continue to get your thoughts. Uh, we're going to look the, back on the Mountain West as a whole right now through the start of the football season, a couple of games into it uh how are how is the conference doing as a whole and uh stat that blew our minds player of the week that we didn't get to yesterday um and um donovan mitchell introduced officially in cleveland today some interesting things that he had to say we'll get into that coming up next on the full court press grantham mobile automotive he'll come to you uh even though the weather is starting to cool off a little bit you still have to make sure things are working properly in your car like, uh, it, you still might, have, you know, from time to time, use your AC, but you want to make sure your heater's working and other things are working as the weather starts to turn. So give him a call if something's not working right on your vehicle, 435-229-4345. That's 
229-4345. It's time for the big hunt. But what do you do after you bag your trophy game? This is Jay from Daryl's Appliance. We have several freezers in stock for you to store your big game harvest, including a Frigidaire 20 cubic foot upright freezer in white for only $9.89. Hurry, stock is limited. See store for details. Daryl's Appliance Service and Sales, West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. See Daryl's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. This is an announcement for all you men in Cash Valley who like music and enjoy singing. The Cash Valley Men's Chorus, formerly the Imperial Glee Club, is rolling out its fall season. They will be starting on Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. They are excited to introduce their new director, Jerry Vanderdose, a music educator for 38 years and a recipient of the Colorado Music Teacher of the Year. Join us Tuesdays at 7 p.m. in the Meeting House at 1800 North 400 East in North Logan. For questions, call 752-7200. Elements has delicious lunch specials, two for $30, or the new soup, salad, and bread special for just $10. It's tasty and quick. Elements lunch menu is full of scrumptious items prepared with a personal touch. Wood-fired pizzas are an excellent choice that include barbecue chicken and the bee's knees. The fresh-battered halibut fish and chips with seasoned fries is always a hit. And don't forget the fan-favorite Munster Burger. Casual or professional, open Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 8 p.m., and Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 9 p.m., Visit TheElementsRestaurant.com for reservations today. Boys and Girls Club of Northern Utah invites you to form a team and play in their second annual scramble for the Structure Golf Tournament. It's set for October 3rd, 10 a.m. at the Logan Golf and Country Club. The $1,000 foursome fee includes golf, cart, and prime rib lunch after. All proceeds go towards creating a new Boys and Girls Club structure in Cache County. Contact the club in Brigham City or call Jenny Schultz at 435-723-6224. That's the Boys and Girls Club Scramble for the Structure Golf Tournament, October 3rd. We are Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S. Our home is your home. We are more than an organization of healthcare professionals. We are proud members of our community. Compassionate, quality, patient care is our mission. I am Jason Jones. I'm a proud member of the Aegis team. At Aegis, we're dedicated to character, experience, and trust. Aegis Home Care and Hospice. We will ensure you experience the difference. 435-723-9000 or find us at myagis.com. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. By the way, I I got a text about an hour ago. <laughs> I didn't see it. Uh, that's what happens when people try texting me personally rather than the text line because I don't always look at my phone. Yeah, I while we're very, doing the show, look at my phone. This is from two two three five. Says, was this Coach Anderson's success last year a result of the previous Coach Anderson's recruiting and coaching? Well, keep in mind. Uh, uh, Blake Anderson brought in the quarterback, the best defensive player, the number two wide receiver, um, some other players. So, like, some of the biggest impact players on the team last year were Blake's guys. Certainly the spine of the team, the backbone, a lot of it, was Coach Gary Anderson. But uh, you see what Gary Anderson did with that team? Yeah, and, and frankly, some of those also those stars were originally recruited from Matt Wells. Some of those guys who were around. So 
kind of a complicated mix of coaches and, and their impact and how they put the team together. So really, last year's team success was a combination of three different coaches and who they brought in and uh, the, the team they had put together at yeah. that point. So Blake deserved credit for bringing together those guys and doing a very good coaching job and building a winning team out of a team that hadn't won in a few years. And was very dysfunctional leading up to it. Yeah. Which is weird that he's so dysfunctional now because, like, he was the one who ended that from 2020, brought it all together for 2021. Now it's falling apart on his watch. That's why it's just this is so baffling. It's why people are booing. They're booing because they don't understand. They don't get why this has suddenly gone so wrong so quickly. Right. It's frust- a lot of frustration. Uh, 9315, tell Ajay to only use the full court press text line, not Eric's personal number. That was actually me that texted Eric. <laughs> it was it was not Ajay. Uh, 8920, not to mention Coach Anderson kept Devin Tompkins here. That's true. That's probably one of his biggest uh, recruiting wins was keeping Tompkins here, who had put his name in the portal. Yeah. Which, by the way, with this new rule for transfer windows, any player who decides they want to leave the school can't officially put their name in the transfer portal until, like, mid-December. There's already a, a kicker at Colorado State who wants to leave, but he can't officially put his name in the portal until after the end of the season. Yeah, they're, they're clamping down on when these windows are for transfers, which I applaud. But the other thing that doesn't get talked about as much is that if you're going to get a transfer or you're going to get a, a player who's from the transfer portal, you have to commit to his financial aid through the entire time of of his uh, collegiate career. So it may all, it's probably going to make those coaches think long and hard, do we want to really take this player as a transfer player because we're on the hook for a little bit more of a financial burden to bring him on. Yeah, and I think another adjustment they need to make to recruiting in general is just have – no recruiting through the end of the season because I hate seeing these teams lose their coach right before their bowl game. You know, they have this really great season. You know, this happens to G5 teams, happens to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's coach left before a playoff game. Like, what the heck? Right. Because you have to make that higher really fast because you got to get those recruits and the transfers. Yeah who are in the window, they're not really sure where they're going to go. Yeah, they're making their decisions in December while you're doing your bowl prep. And so it just needs to be do not contact anyone, no transfers, no recruits, no nothing. Can't talk to them. Just a dead period throughout, you know, November, December probably. And then once January hits, all right, everyone go. Do your worst. Yeah, so I applaud the windows, and uh, they're starting to be firm with it. So if you didn't put your name in the transfer portal before August 31st, uh, you're stuck where you're at until mid-December. Yeah, that's good. you you got to try and get some kind of handle or at least, you know, not have it be too crazy. You want to give them the freedom, but you don't want it to be absolutely nuts and have it impact the season. Transfers need to be an off-season thing. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. And so that's what this – is clearly meant to do, and it's it should hopefully do it. So, uh, looking at the entire Mountain West now, a couple of weeks into this, some schools have played three, most have only played two, 
But kind of a mixed bag here out of the Mountain West. Really only Air Force has uh, represented the conference well and, and won both of its games. They are the only undefeated school in the Mountain West so far. Yeah, a lot of other conferences have multiple undefeated teams. There are a couple, you know, conferences only have one. I think the MAC only has like one undefeated team. I think Conference USA only has one. But most other conferences have multiple undefeated teams. Granted, it's 2-0 undefeated. I don't know if there's any 3-0 teams. There might be one or two. Because they'd have to be undefeated teams that played in week one, or week zero. Week zero. There could very well be. I just don't want to bother looking it up right now. Um, But yeah, the Mountain West has not been very impressive in a lot of ways. No real premier P5 victories. Yeah, yeah, I guess Air Force beating Colorado. That's don't need to call that a. But premier I don't know P5. if that's a premier P five that, victory. Like be, that's like beating Vanderbilt, <laughs> which Hawaii clearly didn't do. No. So Hawaii is like one of the worst teams in the country, according to several sources. Yeah, and they've played like it. They've given up a lot of points through yeah. their first three games. They're, um, they're averaging fifty six points allowed per game. Oh. Colorado State's not much better at 42.5 points per game. Yeah, Colorado State's been a bit of a surprise, honestly. I, I thought they'd be a little more competitive than they've been with their coaching change. I thought they had pretty decent players on that roster last year. They just had inept coaches. And they, they haven't been able to pull it together yet. Yeah, I think everyone was of a similar opinion that they would maybe not be like a world beater in the Mountain West, but they would – be up there. People picked them ahead of, or some people picked them ahead of Utah State. I think they ended up behind them because Boise State, Air Force, Utah State, Colorado State, like right behind Utah State. They were kind of in that same league where people thought they'd be around as good. And I, I picked Colorado State to beat Utah State in my preseason predictions. And now, even as bad as Utah State played against Weber State, I don't know if Colorado State can actually do that. So. They've just absolutely gone out there. Another team that's like in the bottom 10 that people are putting them in, like the bottom 10, bottom 25 of college football teams. They're really bad. They're really struggling to score points. Yeah. Uh, Boise State, kind of a mixed bag there. Their uh, opener, there was controversy with the quarterback position. Came back against uh, New Mexico. Got a little bit more settled in, mostly defensively, but then their offense started to go. Uh, so they they already have a conference victory under their belt, but um, you know Nevada lost to an FCS program like Utah State did this last weekend. At least Nevada was competitive in their matchup. It was a high scoring game, and gave themselves chances to win. Um, Fresno State played to the wire um, against uh, who did they play? It was Oregon State. Wasn't Oregon it? State, um, but uh, Oregon State ended up winning that one late in the fourth quarter. But um, you know, San Diego State kind of a mixed bag for them. A lot of excitement for their new home, their new arena. Uh, really kind of laid an egg against Arizona. But it's, I mean, nothing really stands out so far in the first few weeks here from the Mountain West Conference, and that's not a great sign. Yeah, really, it's just Air Force, and I think for Boise State and San Diego State, they have a chance to kind of rehabilitate and move forward and push and be the great teams we were kind of expecting them to be. You know, rough start, but great finish. That's what I'm looking, you know, as far as their trajectory. I think they can very much pull that off. 
And like I said, Boise State and, and San Diego State kind of rough start losing to P5 teams. But as they get along, I think they'll build momentum, and I think they'll be good teams, could end up winning their divisions. We'll see if Fresno State kind of does that because obviously they, you know, they lost to Oregon State. They could do the same thing where they, you know, lose their, you know, big non-conference game, but they manage to still dominate the conference. Well, and the number of opportunities this weekend for Mountain West schools to perform well on a big stage, Nevada is going to Iowa. Now, Iowa has had more punts than points so far this year. That is like, we think Utah State's offense is bad. But Iowa is favored by 23 points. Well, they, they have sc- not scored 23 points all year. <laughs> How are they supposed to score 23 points? <laughs> they couldn't score on my grandmother. <laughs> like, if she was playing defense, they couldn't score <laughs> against her. Uh, so uh, that'll be interesting. San Diego State's going to be in the state. They're taking on number 14, Utah. Fresno State's at number seven, USC. So not necessarily easy opportunities. Colorado State at Washington State. Uh, the Washington State Cougars are an improving team. Colorado State's definitely not there yet. So a number of opportunities, but I don't know that Mountain West schools really are in, in a position to play the upset. Yeah, I'm not expecting upsets. They can always happen, but they're playing top 15 teams in, in some of these cases. Top 10 teams. Uh, supposedly Utah and USC are like supposed to be really, really good. And I've not seen anything out of the Mountain West that makes me think they're going to be beating these teams. Last year they had some of these marquee wins against the Pac-12. Like the Mountain West was arguably better than the Pac-12 last year because they got a bunch of wins against them. Uh, obviously at the top, Utah was better than anything the Mountain West had to offer. But this year, Pac-12's got... Got it over the Mountain West, so yeah, it's it's not going to be, it's not going to be a banner year for the Mountain West unless things turn around. It's possible. I mean, Air Force could still be that team. Yeah, they'll probably you know based off early returns, they look like the team that could end up having the best record in the conference. Will they be the best team? It depends. Maybe Boise State will beat them. Again, we'll see. It's like it's we'll have some good teams. But it looks like non-conference-wise, the Mountain West is just not going to do very good yeah, this year. not and helping it, themselves. And it could be a rough bowl season. So, like I said, they'll, you'll have the same teams dominating the conference probably as usual, but rough non-conference-wise. All right, we're going to take a timeout here in the Full Court Press. Uh, Donovan Mitchell introduced in Cleveland. Not that we want to necessarily dwell on that, but he did have some interesting things to say as he was introduced. And what about a future jazz man? Uh, Simone uh, Fontecchio. Current jazz man, Simone Fontecchio. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, Performed for his team. Italy was uh, facing off against France earlier today. The game went into overtime. How did he play? What kind of a role did he play in that game? Who won? Uh, And also the stat that blew our minds and our player of the week. It's coming up on the Full Court Press. I'm Matt Neverett. On the week three edition of This Week in the Mountain West, we highlight the weekly Player of the Week awards and recap week two of non-conference play around the Mountain West Conference. Air Force head coach Troy Calhoun also stops by to break down Friday night's week three conference matchup against the Cowboys of Wyoming and Boise State play-by-play man Bob Beeler checks in on the Broncos before their final out-of-conference game on the season coming up. It's all this week here on the Mountain West Radio Network. Friday afternoon during the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio 1069 FM 1390 AM The Fan. 
The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. Have you thought about your furnace lately? Of course not. It's hot outside. Now's a great time to start thinking about replacing it or having it serviced for fall and winter. Advanced Heating and Air will help you get some of the industry's best rebates on a new high-efficient York furnace installed in your home. Or one of Advanced Heating and Air's service professionals can service your furnace for the upcoming winter season. Call today, 752-7272, or schedule a free estimate at advancedheating-ac.com. York. Install confidence. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Utah Army National Guard. Aired by the Utah Broadcasters Association and this station. Santo Taco Logan is open. Known in Salt Lake City as the best taqueria in the valley, they were featured on the Food Network. That means you'll taste some of the best food in Utah. Have you tried their pollo asado taco? It's grilled chicken on a corn or flour tortilla that will make your mouth water. Or try Santo Taco's chili verde burrito. Savory pork in chili verde. Whatever you try, you can't go wrong. Santo Taco, now open at 880 South Main, Logan. To order online, go to santotacos.com slash Logan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. group you know like like I said we're, we're fairly young as a team and you know I think for us just going out there and you know whether it's on the floor or off the floor being able to have a good time be able to talk to each other be able to hold each other accountable on the floor um, I think that's huge that was Donovan Mitchell in his introductory press conference today in Cleveland the newest member of the Cleveland Cavaliers a um, couple other things that he said that kind of stood out is there were rumors about how he reacted when he learned of being traded to Cleveland. And he reacts to that and how he reacted when he got the news. Yeah, when I first found out, I was, I was golfing. Um, so that report is true. I was golfing, and um, I was running around uh, crazy. Mainly, mainly, in fact, when I figured out you know, who we kept in, in the deal, because I didn't, I didn't know who was in the trade. I just knew I was... Uh, I was trading, and when I found out we kept DG and JA and Ev and Karis and all these guys, man, I was like, wow, like, we got a talented group, you know, a team that was third in the East, and then and obviously injuries is, came about, and, you know, that was before I got here, you know, and now we can only look to do uh, more and better and just continue to continue to win and build. So, yeah, he was golfing, and he was uh, super excited about getting traded to Cleveland. Yeah, very poor golf. I had to get running around and screaming, supposedly. <laughs> Hate those kind of people. The other people like they play their music super loud. Oh, yeah. It's like those are the worst people. Not just for me to listen to; it's for everyone to listen to. Yeah, right up there with people who don't don't put their uh, golf carts away <laughs> or their shopping carts away. Excuse me. Oh. 
Uh, but interesting reaction there from Mitchell, who he said he thought he was headed to New York initially. I honestly had no idea. You know, my, my agent, A.B., called me on, on uh, was it Wednesday? It was a Wednesday. And, you know, said you're going to Cleveland. And like I said, my reaction was what it was. But all summer, you know, I didn't really say much. I kind of just let you guys do what you guys <laughs> do, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I, I thought I thought for sure I was going back home. not going to lie about that. But, you know, when I found out where I was headed, who I was playing with, the group, the team, the coaching staff, I couldn't be more happier. Uh, to be here, to be a part of this organization, to be a part of this group, to join these phenomenal guys, men, and add to it, you know, and I think that for me is what I'm, I'm truly excited about. He thought he was going home. He was excited about it. You thought wrong. And, and then he's going to Cleveland, and now he's running around a golf course because he's going to Cleveland. Yeah, and I'm sure he was genuinely excited about that. Clearly he was, you know, because the, the reports came from two different places. He confirmed it, and somebody obviously heard that from somebody. So... You know, genuinely excited to be going to a place. He's a competitor. He's going to a team that has talent, and he can go places. He loved being in Utah when they were competitive. Probably the reason he was wanting out now is because he felt like the team was going downhill. He wanted a reset. You know, basically what Kevin Durant's been doing this whole time. Kevin Durant's not been too torn up about exactly where he's going. More, he wants to be super competitive. That's why he went to. You know, it's why he was staying in. In Oklahoma City, he wasn't you know, super discontent until he figured out, oh, I can go to Golden State and win. And then he wanted to go to the Nets to do whatever he's doing now. But <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, you know, I guess he had to have been really excited with Cleveland because it's going to be a good team. There's obviously some part of him that definitely wanted to go back to New York. But I'm, I think he'll be fine with Cleveland for now. But if the Knicks aren't in a good position to get him in a couple of years or however many years until Donovan's deal runs out, he may jump ship and go to New York. Still. Still. But if Cleveland are in the middle of a dynasty at that point, Donovan will probably stay. Because free agents don't actually go to the Knicks. No matter, like, you know, we always say, oh, the Knicks, they're, they're going to get the, new, the next star. When was the last time they did that in free agency? Carmelo think, Anthony? Yeah, they, they traded long for him. A time ago. So, yeah, they, they traded for Carmelo. As far as free agency, they get, like, Derrick Rose and... and Past uh, his prime Derrick Rose. And uh, Evan Fournier and whatnot. They, they may have actually got both those guys in the trade, but, like, the Knicks may still not get Donovan Mitchell from Cleveland if Cleveland is competitive. Donovan probably would have stayed in Utah if they'd stayed competitive and had a path forward for a championship. But as we've talked about, there wasn't really that path forward, and Danny Ainge talked about that and all those different things. So that's why we moved on from Mitchell, and that's why Mitchell's happy where he's going because it's competitive. Right. He doesn't have to be part of a rebuild, which, frankly, if he were still here, it wouldn't be a rebuild. It would be a retooling. Yep. They would still be a playoff team, but uh, definitely a different direction now. Yes. Uh, 5879 says, the Jazz done messed up. How many draft picks can we get for trading Danny Ainge? Well, I, Donovan, I love Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he was a great ambassador for the team, um, and uh, he was a talented player on the court. It will hurt not having him there. Yes, and see, that's – you know, I talked about this before. There's kind of two camps here. There are the ones who are wanting a championship. Like, that's the – Number one goal, whatever it takes to get a championship, you do that. And that requires this kind of teardown. 
And so that's why a lot of people are excited because they, you know, there wasn't a path to a championship with the current team. And they didn't have assets yeah. really to, to make moves. That was the thing. They were that team that was a couple, like a step or two away, you know, and they tried to trade for, you know, Mike Conley. They thought that was going to do it and getting boy on and, you know, credit. They were trying. I'm not going to fault the jazz for trying. They failed, but it was, you know, the kind of valiant failure. You tried, we accept that. And now you're trying again. So you can respect the front office for doing that. We'll get on them for a couple of failures. I'll never forgive them for Desmond Bain. But, you know, or just Yudoka Azubuki as opposed to a couple other guys. But, you know, but then there's this other camp where they're not in this championship at all costs. They're in this, well, we liked Donovan Mitchell. We liked Rudy Gobert. And the team was winning there. We're in the playoffs every year. It's fun to root for a team that wins a lot more games than it loses and makes it to the playoffs. And they're not going to go to these games when the Jazz are getting their butts kicked. They're not going to want to watch these young players. They're not going to fawn over you know, all the highlights of the college players. They're not going to watch all those international or NCAA games just drooling over prospects. That's not how they enjoy basketball. So they are, you know, based on how they enjoy basketball, justifiably upset that the Jazz have done this to their favorite team, just cannibalized the team and traded away the best players, the, te- the players they liked. Right. But it was a necessary evil to put the team in a, in a position to be competitive again. There are these, play- there are these windows, and this has been well documented in the NBA, there are these windows of opportunity. Jazz had theirs, didn't work, it was closing, and so rather than just kind of piecemeal work at it here and there, had to take a dramatic step to get things in a position to get back there. And it's going to take a few years, but um, hopefully not that long, because uh, there are ways to accelerate that process, and that's what we're hearing from the Jazz front office, what they want to do. Well, we got to see the proof in the pudding, though. Yeah, well, they're going to say we're going to accelerate the process, but what are they going to say? Oh, we're going to suck for five years. <laughs> They'll never say that. We want to really get those draft picks. We are pretty much guaranteed. Ensure we get the highest draft pick. We're pretty much guaranteed at least, at least three bad seasons, three sub-30 win seasons, maybe even a sub-20 win season. Like this upcoming team, it's not going to be very good at all. I know we're all loving what's going on internationally, you know, with Larry Markinen and Simone Fontecchio. That ain't going to translate to much here in the NBA. Yeah, but they are going. Look, the Eurobasket is not the NBA, but there are a lot of NBA guys there and high level NBA guys there. Uh, today, Fontecchio, his team did lose. Italy lost to France in overtime. But Fontecchio, he's been consistently Italy's top player. It got them through the quarterfinals. 21 points today, five rebounds, two assists, uh, one steal. He was four for seven from three. Um, had an opportunity to hit a go-ahead three-point shot in overtime, but missed. France started to uh, expand their lead. Rudy Gobert had a great game. He's had a great tournament. But uh, Fontecchio has been a... He's been a solid player in this whole tournament. Laurie Markkinen has been a great player in this tournament. Finland, who would have thought Finland would be in the quarterfinals of Eurobasket? When you consider some of the traditional powerhouses, like Lithuania, they're not there. But place Italy and, and Finland, they were in the quarterfinals. 
and it speaks to volumes to some of those jazz players who are helping their teams get there. Yeah, they've done well, and Fontecchio, given a bigger role potentially in the NBA or like a chance in the NBA, could end up doing something. But, you know, and what he's doing in Eurobasket is basically a better version of what we already know he is. We already know he's a good offensive player. The The issues with Markkinen as to why he's not this star player, the guy who was drafted, I think, like seventh overall his year. Uh, I forget exactly what year he was drafted. Like 2017, I think. You know, we knew he was good on offense. That, so that's what he was drafted as as far as what he's going to be good at. It's His issues lie elsewhere. So him coming out and balling out in Eurobasket, there's some excitement there. Maybe he can come in and have a good offensive, you know, you know, do good on offense for the Jazz. But again, he's still the same player he's been for two or three years now. He's mostly developed into who he is, a guy who's not super great defensively, not great rebounding. Great stretch four. So that's why, like, I want people to understand, like, don't overreact to what's going on in, in Eurobasket and all that. Because, like, they're playing well, and we can enjoy that and like it, but let's not pretend they're going to be stars. I'm, I'm seeing people react in that way. Like, like so there's some guy who said that, you know, the front court of Fontecchio, Vanderbilt, and marketing was going to be a problem in the NBA. Like, that's overreacting. <laughs> that's a little a little hyperbole there. Thinking marketing can average 18 or 19 points for the Jazz this season, that's actually kind of realistic, depending on how much of an offensive role he gets. But don't pretend he's going to be a star. All right, another quick timeout here in the Full Court Press. When we come back, stat of the uh, stat the floor minds, player of the week, pick six results. It's all coming up next on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. This year's Grand Latino Festival is Saturday, September 17th on Center Street in Logan. All are invited to celebrate the Latin culture with delicious food, lively music, dancing in the streets, and cultural performances. Festivities get underway at 4 p.m. with a parade of flags and authentic Latin dress. Then work off the calories to everyone's favorite dance-based workout, Zumba. This year's Latino Festival is presented by Gosner Foods, where you can earn between $15 and $20 an hour, quarterly bonuses, and free health insurance. Members First Credit Union, our name says it all. Thermo Fisher Scientific, Thermo Fisher is hiring. Join their team today. iFit, a global company committed to diversity and inclusion, welcomes everyone to the Latino Festival. Bring your family, your friends, and especially your appetite to the Grand Latino Festival, Saturday, September 17th, starting at 4 p.m. on Logan Center Street. We would like to welcome Prodigy Brewing to the heart of Logan, Cash Valley's first and only brew pub with family-friendly dining. With an upscale twist on classic brew pub fare and ingredients sourced as local as possible, they are thrilled to be part of the heart of Cash Valley. Bring the family and try their wood-fired pizza or their mouth-watering signature burger. Located on beautiful Center Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pizza, burgers, and brews. Mmm, tasty. Join Three Peaks Medical Plaza at 2245 North, 400 East in North Logan for their grand opening this Saturday from noon to 4. Bounce houses, drinks, food, and a chance to win amazing prizes. 13 different medical specialties in one state-of-the-art building. Cash Valley Imaging, offering a full suite of affordable imaging services. The Cash Valley Pharmacy, a full-service pharmacy with drive through and free delivery in the valley. Go to threepeaksplaza.com for details and links to all medical specialties. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. Let's take a look at the numbers. 
It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the Full Court Press. Wow, that blew my mind. Yes, something that stood out to us last week. Mind-blowing. The player that blew our minds? The player, as you would say. Yes, may have been guilty of saying that before. Uh, Was there a stat last week that stood out to you, Jason? Uh, Yeah, I saw this from uh, Andy Bailey on Twitter. Uh, Can I just mention this? Uh, Quarterbacks who sat the entire preseason and played against quarterbacks who did play at some point in the postseason, so those QBs who sat out, went a combined 1-6 against quarterbacks who did play in the preseason. Oh, really? And kind of attached to this is the offenses who sat their quarterbacks averaged just under three points in the first quarter and 17 points overall in the game for week one. It's basically showcasing and kind of blowing my mind in a way how sitting your quarterbacks negative is negative for your offense. Especially at the start of this, the uh, NFL season. Yeah, very start, like in the first quarter. And I saw something else about how NFL teams, like scoring was way down this season in week one. Hope I didn't just steal yours. But I couldn't no. like track that stat down because that kind of blew my mind, but I couldn't track down where I saw it. So I went with this one, which is kind of related. Uh, mine's also related to the NFL. This is about Monday night. Uh, since 1960, teams attempting a field goal of 64 yards or more converted only 4.8%. Only twice has it been done. Two of 42 attempts. But last year, last year alone, teams who went for it on fourth and five converted 49% of the time. <laughs> it's just insane, like, the decision to not go for it on fourth and five. Like, there was somebody saying, like, you spent all this money so you can kick a 64-yard field goal. Like, you brought in Russell Wilson. You traded away. You, like, kind of gutted some of the team as far as some of the some of the depth guys. And it's just like, and you kick a field goal. <laughs> All right, quickly, your player of the week. Uh, Saquon Barkley led uh, all players in scrimmage yards this week at 194 overall, Ooh. added a touchdown. Uh, have won one of my fantasy teams, so I was really happy with that. Oh, I bet you would be. Uh, for me, it's Aaron Judge. Uh, at this point of the season, he's now he hit, just recently hit his 57th home run. At this point of the season, he has 20 more home runs than the next closest player. That's Kyle Schwarber at 37. The only time that's ever done, it's been like that, that kind of a gap, 1928 when Babe Ruth was at a pretty big distance on guys trailing him. There you go. Pretty significant. Uh, results of pick six, uh, we don't have time to go line by line, but sufficient to say I got four correct, you got three correct. Uh, is the pendulum starting to swing the other way? Better not. I don't know. That may be a little too early to tell. It was close, though. It was close. We'll get back to your next pick. I'll be on my game. Yeah. We'll- I, just, I just had to build your self-esteem up a little <laughs> bit these last couple times just so I could. A false sense of confidence. Just so I can just crush your hopes and dreams with like a three-month streak. Uh, 9315 with the text that came in. Can the player of the week be the whole Weber football team? No, because I focused mine on Utah State. <laughs> Or Saquon Barkley. Uh, but they deserve credit. Absolutely credit. And that coach and that coaching staff deserve a ton of credit. Yeah. Good game plan. They executed. They were fired up. And they outplayed, outcoached, outexecuted Utah State. Everything came together. Everyone had to do their job, and everyone did. And they did it better than Utah State. <laughs> so clearly they deserve and that And not one. by just more than one point. Yeah. They didn't eke out an upset. They crushed, they crushed Utah State. Yes, absolutely. 
All right, that'll do it for us tonight. Appreciate all the uh, texts uh, coming through today. We'll have more on the show tomorrow. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.